You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everyone to a special James Harden MVP episode of Lockdown Rockets, your home for podcast discussion of all things Houston Rockets basketball. I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent for Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship. Late Monday evening, we got the news that most of us had been suspecting for not just weeks, but months. James Harden, for the first time in his career, is the NBA's most valuable player, only the third Rocket ever to do it after Hakeem Olajuwon and Moses Malone. Props to James for finally breaking through after finishing second a season ago and second in 2015 to Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry, respectively. Now, I'm not oblivious to the fact that this is a huge week for the Rockets aside from the awards. Now, the other guys nominated Clint Capella for most improved, Eric Gordon for sixth man of the year. They did not win, but ultimately nice exposure for the team nonetheless. And certainly it seemed to be a bonding experience. So many Rockets there. We saw not just the guys who were nominated, but also Trevor Ariza, Chris Paul, Tad Brown, one of Tillman Fertitta's kids. Nice show of unity, and with respect to Chris Paul and Trevor Ariza, two guys who are about to become free agents, I think it's certainly a positive sign that they're hanging out with the Rockets just a few days before we hit free agency, in which theoretically, they could go somewhere else if they so desired. I know this week is all about free agency, and we'll have more shows in the days ahead proving free agency, and then Friday, of course, is the big opt-in deadline for guys like LeBron James, Paul George, uh, DeAndre Jordan. So could the Rockets be a player there? Certainly they hope to be. We heard from Sam Amick after the awards last night in Los Angeles that the Rockets still consider themselves all in for LeBron James. But as far as whether they're successful and breaking down the rumors, that's for another show. Today's thing, we are going to look back and appreciate the season that James Harden had, which finally ended up with him getting validation with the first MVP award of his storied and at this point almost uh, inevitably Hall of Fame career. And before we get to later segments, in which we'll go a little deeper in terms of how different I feel about James Harden this year relative to prior years, I want to start by addressing the most obvious question, which is, is it significant? Because at the end of the day, look, it's 101 votes from media members, and throughout the year, a lot of us, especially me, we deride some of the national takes that are out there, and it's fair to wonder, how much does this really matter? And I would answer, a lot. The validation in front of his peers, especially now with the award show, to get up there, recognized as the NBA's best player, and not just from a sports audience, everything after it. Of course, we saw the Adidas commercial, but today you go to CNN, the New York Times, pick your news source, even aside from sports, and you are seeing headlines about James Harden being named most valuable player. It's a big deal. And if you want to look at the significance, think back to Russell Westbrook, who won it this time a year ago. Later that same week was when the Thunder were able to trade for Paul George, and a couple of months after that was when they got Carmelo Anthony to waive his no-trade clause, which he is notoriously very finicky about. I know George did not technically have a no-trade clause, but I feel pretty confident that they did some behind-the-scenes checking before they would give up two pieces like Oladipo, who, by the way, won Most Improved Player, and Sabonis to get that deal 
done. And we've heard since day one in Oklahoma City that there's a tight bond between Russell Westbrook and Paul George. That might be why George ends up shocking the world and staying in Oklahoma City instead of going to L.A. Will that happen? Stay tuned. But I do think that seeing Westbrook get that validation a year ago in front of his peers, it made a difference. It mattered. His perception improved, and in the NBA, half the time, perception is reality, especially when you talk about free agency recruitments, which we know the Rockets are involved in right now, and or trade recruitments, which go along those same lines, because half the trades these days are done via leverage situations in which a, a lot of teams won't even be in the market for certain trade candidates because they don't think that they can hold them long term. So I do think that level of validation is significant. Should it be? Probably not because I think we could make a pretty good case that James Harden deserved it in 2015 and 2017 as well. But the reality is that he didn't win it. This year, he did. And so to see him get that level of prestige on the biggest stage and all the headlines that that's generated around the world today, that's significant because you know Daryl Morey is never satisfied, especially not in an NBA where the Golden State Warriors are the most talented team ever assembled, four All-Stars, two MVP candidates, etc., etc., To have James Harden, the current MVP, as part of your pitch, yeah, that's a nice shot in the arm, and I'm sure Daryl appreciates it. Beyond just the recruiting impacts, though, what I really enjoyed was that the Rockets had something to celebrate. It's certainly not a consolation prize from the standpoint of your goal is to win a title. And we heard James Harden immediately after his first comments, which the Rockets put on their Twitter feed at Houston Rockets, were about the championship that he believes is to come next year. That's their focus. That said, if there's one thing that's really, really cruel about modern sports, it's that with the bar as high as it is, only one team can win. And with the Warriors the way they are, it's tougher now than ever before. And for the Rockets, after winning 65 games, going up three games to two against the Warriors, there were so many incredible storylines this year. We, we almost forget that they romped through the first two rounds of the playoffs, four games to one against two very quality and talented teams in Minnesota and Utah. And yet, it all feels somewhat like a disappointment because of how it ended. And I know the extenuating circumstances, Chris Paul's ill-timed hamstring injury, the awful officiating in game six and game seven, the historic outlier of a shooting stretch, 7 of 44 for the game from 3 in Game 7, 0 for 27 at one point. All those things do sting. But at the same time, for a team that worked as hard as they did, not just throughout the season, but going back to last summer, we saw the work they put in in the Bahamas, in Vegas, the trips they went on to kind of build that chemistry to make sure everyone was locked in, ready to go in peak shape, even in late September when training camp started. It's nice, after all of that work, to get some validation. It's not what you wanted, and I don't think they're satisfied, but when you consider how difficult it is to win an NBA title, one of the things you worry about, especially when you lose a heartbreaker the way the Rockets did, is you have to wonder, it's just human nature, is it worth it to do it all again, to work that hard throughout the offseason, do everything right, get the one seed, and still you just have some terrible luck at the worst moment? To that I say, it is worth it, because the success stories are still there. They did win 65 games. They were the NBA's best team. They were up three games to two on the Warriors, in a league where, with Kevin Durant, no one has even taken more than one game from the Warriors. They took three and were up double digits in game six and game seven. 
I know they didn't finish the job, and that's frustrating. They'll use it as fuel, and ultimately, bad results can be a positive motivator in a lot of circumstances, and they probably will be for this team as well. But it's a fine line between using that as fuel and then it simply becoming depressing or overwhelming. Pick your adjective. I think at some point you do need to, uh, to celebrate the successes along the way. And even though this was an individual award for James Harden, make no mistake about it, it was because of the team. I'm sure you've seen a lot of the simpleton graphics comparing James Harden to LeBron, which are just goofy because if you add up points, rebounds, uh, assists, just cumulative stats, number one, it's 2018. You shouldn't be using basic counting stats anymore. We have a lot better metrics today to judge players by. And beyond that, the difference, of course, James Harden missed a couple of weeks with the grade two hamstring injury in early January. LeBron did not. So LeBron has an edge in counting stats simply because he played more games. If you think that in and of itself makes a player more valuable, well, by that definition, the best scorers in NBA history are Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Karl Malone, who are 1-2 and two on the all-time scoring list. I don't think most people believe that, because even though that's what the counting stats show, efficiency matters. And for Harden, of course, we've seen the advanced metrics. But beyond just the efficiency, what got Harden the award was the Rockets having so much team success. It's a regular season award. The votes were counted after the regular season. The Rockets were clear clearly far and away the best team in the league. 65 wins, number one seed in the West, best record in the league. So while Harden got to take home the hardware last night, it was fitting that so many of the role players felt like half the Rockets organization was there because Harden would not have won that if not for the success that the team had as a whole. So I do think the team rightly celebrated it. We heard uh, the funny question from Chris Paul to James at the uh, postgame or not the post-game, the post-awards presser asking how many cases that uh, CEO Tad Brown would be buying. But in all seriousness, I'm happy that those guys got to go off to some private club afterward and celebrate what, of course, was a big historic night for James Harden, but one that reflected the team success the Rockets had as an organization. Because I firmly believe that while you do use the sour note that the season ended on as fuel to an extent, if you focus just 100% on the negatives, eventually it's going to be overwhelming. If you want to climb the mountain again to go through that process, you need to celebrate the good times. It's a fine line, but they did exist, and the Rockets last night had an opportunity not just for James Harden, but the team as a whole to celebrate those. And in my opinion, it's big. Certainly there's validation for James Harden and the team, the great year they had. I forgot to mention earlier, uh, Gerald Morey voted executive of the year for the first time by his peers, which is excellent to see. I don't think the Rockets are satisfied. I think they took a night off, and now Joe Morey's back to the drawing board going after LeBron James or any other ways they can upgrade this summer. But once in a while, you do need to stop and smell the roses. And to me, that's what last night was all about. While the Rockets did not get their ultimate prize, at the same time, in a league where only one team out of 30 can actually win to that extent, You're going to burn yourself out if that's all you focus on, if you don't take anything else out of the game. Despite not winning a ring, both James Harden and the Rockets collectively had one hell of a year, and I think celebrating it last night will go a long way towards ultimately uh, feeling good about what they accomplished and ultimately putting them in the right frame of mind, hopefully for the remainder of this offseason, 
with or without LeBron James or whoever else they could potentially bring in to put in the same work they did a year ago to hopefully position themselves to once again go out and win the most games in the NBA and give themselves another shot in the Western Conference Finals next year with home court advantage against those Golden State Warriors. Now that first segment was all about looking back. What happened last night? James Harden's win, the fact that Eric Gordon and Clint Capella were finalists for six-man and most improved player but didn't win it, the Rockets in attendance, what does it mean for James Harden's legacy, et cetera, et cetera, the obvious things. For this segment, I want to spin it forward, as promised earlier, and look at things a little deeper, which is to me the question of, in 2018, do we feel differently about James Harden relative to 2017. I've seen this thrown out by a lot of both local and national media, and it's a fair question because for most of us, we believe that James Harden should have won the MVP a year ago in 2017, maybe in 2015 as well over Steph Curry. So to that end, what does 101 media members who largely last year fell for the triple-double suddenly deciding to be on Harden's side, does that really mean anything in the grand scheme of Harden's career arc and how we feel about him as the undisputed number one option on a championship team in Houston. I would say that the MVP award alone does not change that. Ultimately, we make fun of national takes all the time. So just because the national media says something, we don't have to see it as some huge referendum. That said, for me personally, I do feel very differently about James Harden in June 2018 than I did in June 2017. When I was thinking about this segment, I thought back to a show I did with M.K. Bauer, a good friend of mine in the Houston media, writes for Forbes, and we did a show last June talking about building a contender in the era of the Warriors and coming off the Game 6 loss to the Spurs, which the Rockets were drilled by 39 at home. There were fair questions about whether you could build a legitimate contender with James Harden as your number one option. Now, statistically, they weren't there. You could point to all the numbers in the world which a lot of these, of course, coming in the regular season. But on paper, James looked the part. And as far as the negatives, the games like Game 6, which he was not anywhere near his best, you could point to randomness. You could point to the fact that he's young and there's time for improvement. And I said that, and that's why I didn't jump off the deep end in terms of making any sort of declarative judgments. But it was fair to at least wonder If there was one hole you could poke in James Harden's MVP case a year ago relative to Westbrook, it's that Westbrook owned the big moments. There were so many shots late in games that Westbrook made, many of them, of course, because Oklahoma City had far too many close calls against just dreadful teams. But regardless of circumstance, Westbrook stepped up and he made them. On the other hand, Harden, there weren't as many close games, period, because the Rockets had a much better team than Oklahoma City. But what close games the Rockets had, they were not that good late. And... Some of it may have been Harden being the only playmaker, so it made them easier to sort of dissect from an X's and O's standpoint. And the presence of Chris Paul on the basketball floor this year, another top 10 talent, one of the best point guards of all time, that certainly made the Rockets more diverse. But whatever the reason, the Rockets went from one of the the worst clutch teams in the league a year ago to one of the best this year when you look at all the net ratings for what the Rockets did in games that were within five points in the final five minutes. They were a tremendous team, and Harden was a tremendous player in those situations, and he owned the moments in terms of the big dagger shots late that he didn't a year ago, and 
it spilled over into the playoffs. I think when we look back on the 2017 playoffs, the defining game to me was that Game 5 in San Antonio before the Game 6 in Houston that ended the season where they somewhat laid an egg. Game 5 in which they were up 6 with under 3 minutes to go and were right there at overtime against the Spurs team that lost Kawhi Leonard early and the Rockets just seemed to run out of gas and had nowhere to go against a very disciplined Spurs team led by Greg Popovich. This year, my defining memories of Harden in the playoffs are actually the way he pushed through. Because when I think about the Warriors series, he shot just 24% from three, and yet he still scored almost 30 points per game, including 30-plus in both uh, Game 6 and Game 7. His fitness level was off the charts. Even when the threes weren't falling, he attacked the rim relentlessly. We all know the poster dunk he had on Draymond Green. And when I think about James the playoff run as a whole, that's what I come back to. The fact that when things weren't going his way, especially with the step-back threes, which is what he sort of patented, he kept pushing. He made the big plays defensively as well. Think of the two rips against Kevin Durant he had in that Game 4. Which, by the way, the Game 4 to me, Rockets-Warriors, the first half, is by far the most underrated part of the Rockets' playoff run. Chris Paul gets a lot of love, and rightfully so, for how well he played in the second half of Game 4 and Game 5. The two wins the Rockets got to go from down 2-1 to up 3-2 in that series. But Game 4 would not even have been possible if not for Harden playing out of his mind in the first half. 24 points, mentioned the two rips he had on Durant with transition layups and dunks to follow, so making plays on both ends. The poster dunk on Draymond Green. Again, it wasn't like he was just hot from 3 he took over the game with sheer will at Golden State, probably the toughest environment in the league. The Rockets were down double digits. They went down 12 nothing out of the gates right after they lost by 40-plus in Game 3, and the entire NBA had counted them out. It would have been so easy for the Rockets, led by James Harden, to accept their fate the way they seemed to a year ago in Game 6 against the Spurs. They didn't. Led by Harden, the Rockets got off the bat they flipped a double-digit deficit early in Game 4 into a substantial lead by the half, which is what put them in striking distance to withstand that typical Golden State run in the third quarter and then even be close enough for Chris Paul and Eric Gordon to win it with the plays they made late. I don't think James Harden a year ago does that. And, of course, having Chris Paul on the floor helps. But it's not all Chris Paul, because guess what? Game 6 and Game 7, after the Rockets lost Paul to the grade 2 hamstring injury, and even though we didn't know it was grade 2 at the time, I'm pretty confident the team knew going into that Game 6 that Chris Paul was not going to be returning, that it wasn't realistic for him to come back that series. Well, a year ago in that Spurs series, we know how they came out, came out in Game 6 when they sort of viewed the series as over, that it wasn't reasonable for them to win, or that it was going to be very, very hard. They largely folded. The team did not come out with the requisite intensity. In this time, both Game 6 and Game 7, the Rockets not only came out and played hard, they built 15-plus point leads. They came out and punched the Warriors in the mouth, which is the best chance that you can give yourself as the underdog, one all-star level player compared to four, is to play from in front, hopefully get the other team a little scattered in a one-game elimination scenario to where they make a few uncharacteristic mistakes. Unfortunately, over 48 minutes, it didn't hold up. 
As I said earlier, you can pick your variable, uh, Chris Paul's injury, the historic outlier of a shooting stretch, 7 of 44, 0 of 27 at one point in Game 7, the awful officiating, or you could just chalk it up to the Warriors' enormous talent, one of the best teams ever assembled for All-Stars, two perennial MVP candidates. Regardless of the reason you choose, the performance didn't hold up over 48 games, and it's tough for me to blame anyone. The Warriors are just a more talented basketball team after Chris Paul went out. But the reality is that, unlike a year ago, when the odds were against the Rockets and we saw them just sort of mail it in and get ready for the offseason, the Rockets did not do that at all this year, even with Chris Paul not playing. And yes, Chris deserves a lot of credit. I think certainly X's and O's wise, he relieves from the pressure off James but I think James as a person, and in terms of his mentality, maybe Chris Paul helped with that off the floor as well. But regardless of the reason, I think James Harden was a much mentally tougher player in 2018 and the playoffs this year than he was in that 2017 playoff run a season ago. Now, did he finish the job? No, but it's hard for me to hold anyone to this standard of, well, you've got to beat the Warriors by yourself or there's something wrong with you. No, the Warriors are insanely good. Only one team can win, and clearly the Rockets are the only team even remotely in Golden State's class. As mentioned, no one else in the KD era has even taken two, let alone three, from the Warriors, and the Rockets took three. They were poised to take four before all those crazy circumstances, starting with uh, Chris Paul's hamstring injury in the final minute of Game 5. Even in Harden's bad games, I think back to the Game 2 against Minnesota, and he was 2 of 18 He had another woeful stretch in Game 5 to close out against Utah. There was no panic. In fact, against Utah, one thing that really stood out when he had that terrible game in Game 5, he kept shooting. He shot over 20 times as much as anybody on the floor for either uh, either team. It wasn't at all like the Game 6 a year ago when they lost by 39, in which Harden not only barely broke double figures, but only shot the ball 11 times, taking two. He kept pushing. He kept engaged defensively that Game 5 against the Jazz. He also had a key steal in that fourth quarter to help the Rockets put things away. For all of Harden's individual brilliance, for all of his incredible stat lines, those have been there for several years. If there was a question you had about James Harden, it was how does he respond and his team collectively when punched in the mouth? when they face their first real patch of adversity, especially against a higher-seeded team or comparably talented team, I should say, in the playoffs. I know the Rockets didn't win a ring this year, but ultimately, I liked what I saw a lot more from the team and especially from James Harden in those key moments this year. They mentioned the playoffs. He reduced his turnovers significantly from about five and a half last year to under four per game in the playoffs. This year, he's much more efficient. Really, the only thing you could uh, nitpick, I'd say, against that series against the Warriors was that his three-point percentage was unsustainably low, below 25%. But as I've said for a long time, three-point shooting is random. It's not like you can just snap your fingers and try harder. That's not a mental thing. Just you go through stretches where you're in rhythm, you go through stretches where you're out. And unfortunately, that was one where Harden was a little bit off. But in terms of the things he can control, his effort level, his focus, his decision-making, he was much more professional. He was much, much more dialed in. And as we chat in June 2018, I feel pretty confident that a team with James Harden as its number one option can win you a championship, even in today's NBA with the Warriors. 
I couldn't say that this time a year ago. That's why, to me, yes, I do feel differently about James Harden in 2018 than a year ago, even though I still think he should have won the MVP a year ago. Even though the Rockets did not win a championship this year, I still think it was a very important year for James Harden's personal development. And in my opinion, that's another reason why it was so great to see him get that recognition on the biggest stage last night. Now, final segment, and I'll make this quick because I know a lot of you are probably wanting to get back to Twitter if you're not already on there and start refreshing for rumors of what's going to happen moving forward with the Rockets and the rest of the NBA. As far as next season, while I would not write James Harden off, it's going to be a lot harder for him to win the MVP again. Let's be open and honest about this. Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double a year ago, and he was the runaway winner. He then averaged a triple-double this year, and he wasn't even a finalist. Voters are finicky that way. Once one narrative is complete, they look for the next one. It's not that James Harden can't win it again, but to this year, there was a lot of unfinished business, I think, especially with the MVP award in particular, the politics. A lot of voters knew that James Harden was probably slighted in at least one of those prior two years, 2015 and 2017, if not both, and they wanted to right a wrong. It's not that James can't win it again, but ultimately my guess is there's going to be a narrative for someone else where the league as a whole wants to push somebody else's storyline. So while not impossible, it's tough in today's modern day climate to win two MVPs at least in very close proximity. I think most folks would agree that LeBron James and Kevin Durant are probably, if you had a draft every single year in terms of who are the most dominant players, if you could pick a player for that season, you'd probably pick LeBron or KD, and neither one of those guys has even gotten that close to an MVP in the last uh, three-plus years. In terms of the politics of award voting, they're somewhat old news, not that it's impossible for them to win again, but also there's a combination of once you get to a certain point and status, then there's also some saving yourself for the playoffs. For example, despite the conventional narratives, James Harden was actually a much more valuable defensive player at times this year than LeBron James was, and in part because LeBron, at 33 years old and uh, in his 15th NBA season, was clearly saving himself for the playoff run. And perhaps that's something you start to see James Harden do as well now that he's entering his age 29 season and probably the back half of his career, which is now on 10 years. I don't want to count James out because he's certainly likely to be worthy of it. And if the Rockets go out and win 65 plus games again and are clearly the league's best team, then it might be very tough not to give it to him. He might prove us wrong. But ultimately, my guess is that you start to see the league and the writers covering it in terms of the sport as a whole, looking for a new storyline to push. And my response to that is that while it may be annoying, I'm okay with it. Because what this gives you as far as the Rockets, James Harden specifically, the fan community, is closure. He should have won it in 2015. He should have won it in 2017. There were certain politics involved with the likability of the Warriors, the bizarre fascination with the round numbers and the triple-double chase a year ago from Russell Westbrook. And to some degree... The Rockets pushed extra hard as an organization for James to get this award this year, in my opinion, to sort of right a political wrong on the national stage and to get Harden the just do in front of his peers. Well, now that's happened. 
And as James said in his own commentary, going forward, it's all about rings. It's about bringing a championship to Houston. Not that it wasn't before, but I think you guys know that in addition to winning games, there was always this laser-like focus amongst the fan base, amongst the organization, to also making the political case for James Harden to win MVP throughout this year. And really, we saw it throughout 2017 as well, coming off uh, just a year removed from him getting robbed in 2015. I don't know that it's going to make a difference on the basketball floor, but in terms of consuming Rockets basketball, I think it's going to be a lot simpler next year in that everyone is effectively all in on the title. Not going to be cheering against James if he has more 60-point triple-doubles or insane nights. Of course, it's fine to chant MVP. He deserves it, and he's going to be that candidate. But you don't see fan bases like the Warriors or the Cavs as consumed by the MVP chase as the Rockets have been. And I don't think that's because the fan bases are any better. I think it's all situational. I think uh, generally they've had more success winning the award, whereas uh, for the Rockets, they've been slighted twice in the last uh, three years before this season, so it's understandable as to why the fan base would respond as they did. That said, my sense for everyone moving forward, the fan base, the organization, maybe even James himself, is that it's just nice to have this behind them. Yes, it's great that James won. They'll celebrate it. They'll sell t-shirts. They'll have photos everywhere. It'll be one of the more legendary seasons in Rockets history, both for James individually and the team collectively. All that stuff is true. But as far as pushing James Harden as MVP to right wrongs of the past, I'm just relieved that it's over with. I hope he wins more. The odds are pretty good that he's going to deserve to. Uh, James isn't even 30 yet. Just a phenomenal player who continues to get better with each passing year. Could not be happier or more proud of the guy. But as someone that covers the team, and I'm guessing many of you as fans, there's probably a little bit of relief in there too that finally we can all move past this. James got what he deserved, and at this point, you celebrate it, and when you come back in the fall, whatever the team is, it's all about the ring, because James has his individual accolades, Mike D'Antoni's one coach of the year, we've seen Chris Paul get his due, he hasn't won an MVP award, but he certainly had plenty of All-NBA teams and whatnot, all-star appearances, etc., over his storied career. Now, all the individual stuff, there's no reason to worry about it. It's there. The legacies are established. The only thing that's left is a ring. And when the Rockets report back to camp in September, I think everyone from the players, the, the coaches, the front office, the fans, everybody's unified now. It's about getting that ring in June. And at this point, because we can finally put this in the rearview mirror, nothing else matters. So with that, I will leave off today's show. And again, not that I'm ignoring the other things going on in the NBA and Rockets communities, when you come down to trying to actually win a ring and put a roster together that can do that, well, the next week could go a long way, be it LeBron James or anyone else, to giving the Rockets more pieces with which to do that. So we will have more shows in the days ahead, especially as there's breaking news to look at how the Rockets can further improve their roster to actually win a ring in 2019. But today, I just want to make it short and sweet look back on the phenomenal MVP year for James Harden and kind of put a bow on that. And now moving forward, we can make everything about what the 2018-2019 Houston Rockets are going to look like and whether that team is capable of 
finishing the job in the Western Conference Finals in a way that unfortunately they could not this past year. So for today, I will wrap up. You want any more content from me in the interim? Best place, as always, is on Twitter. I'm on there at Ben Dubose. Show is on there at Lockdown Rockets. Also got a Facebook account, facebook.com slash Lockdown Rockets, a website at Lockdown Rockets. Dot com and email address at LockedOnRockets at gmail.com. All places you can access our content, ask me questions about the team, suggestions for the show, advertising inquiries, anything we can do to make this a better podcast for you, the Rockets fan, or even you, the human being. Don't hesitate to reach out. Would absolutely love to hear from you. Also, if you're not already subscribed to us, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Megaphone, wherever you listen to your podcast, the Lockdown Podcast Network is probably there. I've got a great network of shows across the NBA and NFL that includes Lockdown Texans, our sister show, here in Houston, but wherever you choose to listen to us, in addition to uh, subscribing to us, which certainly helps because it makes us look attractive to potential advertisers and you get alerts right when there's breaking news and a podcast comes out. But in addition to that, if you could be kind enough to please leave us a five-star review because that further helps us uh, look attractive to advertisers and make the business model work here at Locked In Rockets, the most regular podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. So one final time, congrats go out to James Harden, the 2017-2018 NBA Most Valuable Player. And as far as us here at Lockdown Rockets and the Rockets community, we can now turn the page to uh, the rest of the offseason free agency, which starts late Saturday night here in Houston and the process of building what will hopefully be a championship Rockets team for the 2018-2019 season. For now, folks, I will sign off uh, and get some rest because, well, I think we're all going to be having some late nights in the days ahead with what's probably going to be Daryl Morey's busiest week of the year. Whatever happens, though, stay tuned here at Lockdown Rockets, and we'll have you covered.